0: And Gideon built an altar and he named it Jehovah Shalom. It was not an altar of celebration. It was an altar of expectation. For when he built the altar, there was no peace. The Midianites still prevailed. There was conflict in the land. But yet he was expecting anticipating that there would be this remarkable peace that God would bring. Perhaps on this Sunday you have come and there is turmoil and tribulation, stress and distress in your life. But there can be a Jehovah Shalom even now. sir he hasn't fixed my problem yet that's not the issue you can have peace in the midst of the storm and you can have peace in expectation that there will be a day when the storm will have passed and all will be well hallelujah it's good to be in bentley it's good to be with the maxwells and uh, what a legacy this church has My grandparents live right across the street there the little ragged building out there will forever be the bus barn because grandpa drove for the grant parish school board while he was pastoring in in Tioga where he started the church and uh, I have great memories brother Briggs was kind enough to let me preach in that little building and occasionally over here and uh, I was part of preaching both of my grandparents' funeral. I suppose, with the casket sitting just there, Hallelujah. And uh, when I come back to Central Louisiana, there is nostalgia, and uh, I, I don't know. Perhaps your experience is different, but nostalgia is bittersweet, and uh, there's uh, there's the sense of some things that are gone forever. But uh, when I drive on the campground and youth camps, and when I drive by the church in Tioga and I remember friends, and I think for many of us, our families are shrinking because uh, the elders are passing us on by, and they're going to glory. It's good to see the Murals here. When we drove through Fort Fordyce, I thought about the church that his dad started there, as Grandpa did in Tioga. Your dad let me preach in dry prom a time or two, and I see Brad and Elise and Donna, and their dad was... My grandfather's assistant pastor for 122 years—little uh, exaggeration, but—and uh, I remember Brother Gibson being on the corner, southeast corner of the building. I guess I'll still call it a new building, although it's probably 50 years old. And uh, laying brick when we pulled in there one day—and uh, faithful, faithful, faith, faithful. Hallelujah. To have normal with me, and uh, I'm gone from home intentionally because I need to be gone intentionally these days, and uh, she's not able to go with me a lot of the time. But I'm I'm glad that she's here today. Some of my books are out front. I do a whole lot of things better than I do promoting them. One of the books is about depression because I have lived with clinical depression. It's the one book that I say if you don't have very much money, get it anyway, and. Uh, And even if you take it for free because depression is a beast and we have failed to address it within the church very well. So take a look at any of that that you're interested in. Tell you what, that Bible lesson was just exceptional this morning. Those of you who are in that adult class, hallelujah. And uh, I I enjoyed that uh, so much and I took a lot of notes and... You know, I, I listen to a lot of preaching and teaching where that every piece of paper I got still blank when uh, they get through. But I filled up several pages here today, and uh, that's, that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if you're a guest here today, I am too. If you're watching online and you like everything about this service accept this preaching. I won't be back next week. And so come give it another run. Listen to Pastor, listen to Keith, listen to somebody else, but don't, uh, don't let this be your last time here. Praise God. I don't preach long and I always reserve the reading of my text until end the end the message. Let's see what the Spirit would say and what the Holy Ghost would Many of you know a bit about Isaiah, and Isaiah is known as the Messianic prophet. He is known as the Messianic prophet because he has at least 30 prophecies regarding the coming of Christ, and uh, that word Messiah and Christ are exactly the same basic word, and it is about the Anointed One. So, Isaiah is this one who becomes the proclaimer regarding this Christ who is going to come. Now, if you begin reading at Isaiah chapter 1, it quickly becomes apparent that everything Isaiah has to say is not positive. As a matter of fact, it's not particularly messianic at all. But instead, it has some negative connotation. But there came a time somehow or the other when there was a transition in the life of Isaiah and what he had been became something different. He had a transformational experience. It's important to understand you don't have to stay what you are. Your life does not have to remain As it is, there can be a transformation in your life. Isaiah reached a point, and we pick it up in the fifth verse of the sixth chapter of Isaiah. And then said I, speaking Isaiah's talking, woe is me. And there are two personal pronouns, I and me. Not us or we, but this is individual. I said, woe is me. And I think it's important on this day that while there's a collective crowd around us, it be as Pastor mentioned in the pastoral intensive, which I'm curious to know more about, that this be a conversation just between you and the Word of God. Then said, I, woe is me. Let it be that the preaching today be not to your neighbor, not to the one who is beside you, not to the one who should be here, but I and me, not us and not we. So the question comes, well, why are you saying this, Isaiah? And he says it, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And in that moment, the prophet is no longer concerned for others, but he is beginning to address issues in his own life. And he is not left in his uncertainty, nor is he left in the circumstance of his feeling unclean. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, an angelic creature. And it had a live coal in his hand that he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he put it on my mouth and he said, Lo, this has touched your lips and thine iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. And Isaiah has acknowledged his sin and now sin is addressed. By the power of heaven, unclean lips have been touched by fire from the altar. And he hears a question. The voice of the Lord, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then said, I, here am I. Again, the personal pronouns, here am I, send me. And God said, go. And from that point forward, Isaiah's ministry shifts gears. His life changes. Because something happens here that is transformational. Something takes place in his life that is going to make him forever different. When you read the first five chapters of the book of Isaiah, there is nothing messianic about them whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they're relatively negative. He uses the word woe, W-O-E. Woe is me. He uses that concept eight different times. He uses that more than any other Bible writer. And his woe is concerning. The sins of Israel and the sins of Jerusalem. And he declares, Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And he says, Woe unto the wicked, and woe to them that join house to house. And he's talking about their covetousness and desire for self-advancement. And he says, Woe to them that rise early in the morning that they could fall a stone drink. And three more times in the fifth chapter of Isaiah, it is woe, 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 woe to those that call evil. Evil good and it's not a very good start for a man of God if all he's got to say is something that is negative negative. and so it was that this is where Isaiah was at this particular moment if he had continued in this vein of thought he would have been almost another Jeremiah a weeping prophet who had nothing to say except the ugliness and Jeremiah preached for 38 years without making a single convert and Isaiah perhaps could have been exactly the same type of person To that point, woe has dominated Isaiah's life and remember he's talking about I and he's talking about me and he's not talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about himself as an individual and on this Sunday, I don't come to talk to just an audience but I come to talk to some one person here today that you need to hear that there can come into your life in spite of where you are. There can come a transforming woman where the dark clouds of ugliness that have defined your yesterdays can be set aside and there can be something very different in the future that lies ahead of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isaiah is declaring these woes and even while he is declaring these woes, Judah's king was Uzziah, and they were friends. Uzziah was actually one of the better kings of Judah. Fifty-two years he reigned, and he led them toward progress and and revival. There were things he didn't get accomplished, and and, and he didn't get all the high places removed. Some things were so entrenched. But these two men were running partners. They were together in the effort of renewal and revival. and, And then there comes... That time, here it is from this one preacher, this prophet, from Isaiah's perspective. There's this whoa, 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 whoa. Let me settle in here for a moment. It may be that you would define your life with that one word, whoa. How you doing? Whoa is me. How's life for you right now? Whoa is me. And if you feel that way today, in all likelihood you're out of step with the will of God just as the nation of Israel was and the essence of your life is negative and you could stamp the word woe in your forehead. But for Isaiah it got even worse because in the first verse of the chapter that we began reading in the year that King Uzziah died. And so now grief is added to Isaiah's woe. And we have all experienced the death of of friends and you know the reality of sorrow but there is more difficulty in life than just grief there is depression and there are disappointments there are doctors reports that we don't like to hear and there are pictures that come to us that are so negative that are injustice and abuse and heartache and violence that is undeserved and the emptiness of life that they sang about just a little bit ago and you may be a person who says to yourself nobody's ever had it quite as bad as I have got it it's never been as terrible for any other as it is for me I've got all of these woes in my life and now there is that this heavier load that Uzziah has died, the thing that I look to, my partner, my friend in life's adversity, this one is no longer there. They are gone, and you've been slammed with the unexpected as Uzziah died, and loss is piled atop loss, and difficulty is stacked atop difficulty, and you feel that there is nowhere to turn, and here it is, that Isaiah is at this moment where this is his circumstance, and this is what he is feeling woe, woe, woe to the nation that I'm intended to serve woe to this sinful group that surrounds me on every side and now there is the additional loss the pile and the stack of adversity King Uzziah dead loss pile higher But the verse doesn't end instead there's a comma in the year that king uzziah died i saw also in addition to and in a year otherwise defined by woe and the death of a friend isaiah's life is going to change If we were to expand it a bit, it is as though Isaiah is saying, I've repeatedly spoken or written the word woe. But now, in addition to the woe, there is an also. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Hallelujah. Could anybody understand it today that This is not where you are, does not have to define the reality of the rest of your life. It does not have to be that this is the exclamation point, and this is where they put the end, at the end of the biography of your life. You need to hear, I do not know you, but in November, as I was thinking about what lay ahead for the coming year, the Lord spoke to me this message. I've not preached it at that point. The Lord said this is for Bentley, Louisiana And you're to preach it when you get there I'm talking to somebody that this is your day To hear it said to you That it is time for you to recognize That in addition to all of your woes There's an also And the also is this I see the Lord high and lifted up And his train fills the temple And the whole earth is filled with his glory Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Avaha. A koshono. Hallelujah. What opened up before? Isaiah as an also is in reality in all ways. It was just at that moment the curtain was pulled back. And Isaiah was allowed to see something that was a perpetual reality and is even now. (laughs) You see, It may be so dark around you that you can't imagine coming out of your circumstance. But while you are living in the midst of your woes and while losses are being stacked atop your losses, the Lord is sitting on a throne and he is high and lifted up and his train is filling the temple right now and the whole earth is filled with his glory it may be invisible to you on this Sunday morning but you hear me today he is there and he has the power to bring a transforming reality into your life hallelujah what did you see Isaiah? well I saw the Lord I saw him sitting upon a throne. Throne is a place of authority. But I didn't just see the throne room, I saw him sitting in the throne room. There are times when those who are kings must rise from their rest, for there is further work to be done. But Isaiah did not see him preparing to take sword and spear. Instead, he saw him sitting in a posture of relaxation. The work finished, the work done. He is there today sitting. Oh, if God could just do more to save me, there is nothing more He can do to save you. If He could just deliver me, there is nothing more that He can do to pay the price for sin. There is nothing more. There is no power that could be unleashed greater than the power that is already unleashed. Demons have been cast out in that name. Unclean spirits have to go in that name. Disease. In that name. So while we sit here anxiously awaiting him to do something else, he is sitting saying, I've done it all already. It is finished, sir. Why don't you just take hold? Ah. Seated, liberty's purchased. Beyond the woe, Isaiah experienced a wonder. I had an also. I saw the Lord I experienced God like I had not experienced Him never in my life of Him giving me a message whether I declared a woe to my people or never in my friendship with Uzziah did I ever experience what I experienced in my moment of also I saw also the Lord and His train Fill the temple in ancient times a king's train had a symbolism like a bride often has a train and Bruce I've done a few weddings where the train was so long that it took longer to get it straightened out than it did for us to do the ceremony his train filled custom of the time was that as a king won battles and gained victories. For each battle won and each nation conquered there would be a banner a flag from that battle that would be added to the king's train. It wasn't intended to be something beautiful it was intended to be a celebration of all of his accomplishments and his train filled victory already won Egypt had held the nation of Israel in slavery but somewhere on the train of the Lord there's a banner hallelujah declaring him bringing them out of that bondage you see if he can bring them out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage he can bring you out of 10 years of cocaine and he can bring you out of your alcoholism and the Red Sea. Richard, you don't know I'm in an impossible situation. There's a sea before enemy behind and mountains on both sides. The Lord said, Moses, stretch forth my rod. It's somewhere on his train. And the nine foot giant stood and for weeks spoke against Israel and their God. And then a little boy, perhaps a teenager says you've come to me with a sword and a spear but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of Israel and that nine foot giant and somewhere there is a banner of a giant that's bigger than the one you're facing hallelujah hallelujah Sew the banner's on so the flags of yesterday's success on because every victory won becomes a testimony what he has done he can do you see if we were to take this service for a while and we were to turn it into a testimony service and we were to just go row by row and we were to say tell us where god brought you Tell us where God found you and what He's brought you out of. You would hear stories of people who if you decided you don't fit with because they're religious and you aren't. You would hear the stories of their ugliness, their sin and their shame, the degradation. Life has brought them through. But before they got through with their story, They would say, but look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. If we were to listen to those 200 stories today, somewhere in the midst of it, you would find yourself. And suddenly you would realize I'm not the first person to walk this path. Not the first person to go through this difficulty. There's a testimony. There's something in the train of his temple. Hallelujah. I saw also the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah explains what he saw. Before a seraphim ever comes with fire from the altar, he sees seraphims, which are heavenly beings, something like an angel. They had six wings, two covered in face, two feet, two fly. And those seraphims are crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full. This was hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, hundreds of years before John the Revelator would ever write the book of Revelation. But all of those centuries later, John would get a peek into heaven, and he would see people around the throne, and their words of praise were holy, holy, holy. You say, but that's an identity, that's not a praise. Oh, oh no, it is a praise. Because the word holy means set apart, distinct. And when it's applied to God, it means there's none like Him. And Six times in the Scripture, there is that statement, either made specifically or alluded to, that there is none like our God. There's none like Him. He is holy. When you come to this altar today, you may not know exactly what to say. You may not have the words to say, but you know your life. You know the errors and the failures, and you know the things that are undeserved. But Jesus is not in the business of finding the deserved, He is in the business of extending this thing called grace. And you may not understand it. So when you have come and you have said, God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I don't want to live this way anymore, as Chris. So well, about in teaching about repentance. I'm ready for a change in my life, ready for a new start. When you've told him that and you don't know where to go from there, why don't you join heaven and say, Holy, 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 set apart, distinct, none like you. I'll find grace nowhere. you I'll find mercy nowhere but in you you may not see it today you may not have the revelation opportunity that Isaiah had but hear me he's there he's there He's, he's on that throne and his train it fills the temple and he is holy the whole earth is full of his glory sometimes we just have to move by faith say God I'm not seeing it not feeling it right now but I trust you (laughs) oh Jesus now God you know this audience you know their circumstances and their situations God I would not know three people's story in this room but I do know how you work and I know that what's been said in the last twenty minutes—it's just like the arrow has hit the bullseye. And God, would you reach into our worlds where that we are so consumed by our woes and so consumed by our sense of loss? let this be a transforming day I saw also the Lord high and lifted up let it be that something is added to what is that comes from you and comes from you alone let the power of the Holy Ghost invade this room. And God while we can come to this altar and we'll let it be that this entire room becomes a holy place sanctified that the presence of God and the drawing influence of your spirit sweeps through every corner. I speak it and claim it in Jesus' name. While you're still seated, I want you to pray now. It is likely that you know somebody who they desperately need something from the Lord just now you know their circumstances and they're needing an also moment. Could we pray just now? This morning you have come to this house and you have presented yourself well. But during the past seven days there was a day when you took the gun from the drawer and you contemplated the end of your life to the point of counting the bullets on the table You felt that life was hopeless and there was nothing to look forward to. Somehow you escaped that moment, but nothing about your life has changed. You're devoid of hope, you know right where the gun's at and the bullets are near. And I saw also the Lord. And you need to bring it to Jesus. And you need to let him have everything. You have given him part, but you've not given him all. You need to let him have everything. So we stand together. They begin to sing. I do altar calls a little different than I once did. If you're standing beside someone who you know needs something from God today, would you just invite them to come with you to an altar? Let's fill this space at the front.